On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla confirms they're working on a scale model diecast Cybertruck. The pedestrian warning speaker is now available to a lot of you who don't already have it. Tesla's big Santa Monica supercharger project appears to be back on. A Buffalo doctor is raffling off a Model 3 to people who get vaccinated and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 301 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for May 9th, 2021. The snoozing Daisy the Boxer is to my left. We are back home in San Francisco after a road trip home from Arizona, which I will discuss in more detail near the end of the podcast. But before I do, I do just want to give a shout out at the top of the show to listener Chris Bates, who recognized me when I passed him on a Phoenix area freeway on my way out of town. Uh, I know it was an accurate thing that Chris saw because he says, I looked like I was singing in the car, which uh, confirms that it was definitely me because I do that all the time, badly, I might add, which is why it only ever happens in the car. But, you know, that tells me how cool is the Ride the Lightning audience and, and how much bigger it's gotten in the last 300 episodes What are the odds that one of you listening would see me on the road in Phoenix on on the one time I'm just like on my way out of town? So that's pretty cool. Uh, Speaking of episode 300, I want to say thank you to all of you, all the kind folks who emailed, tweeted, or called in with your congratulatory words about 300 episodes. I really do appreciate it. And I saw a few of you message me on Patreon as well. So I am very grateful. It, it's a pretty cool milestone. I mean, 300 shows in, uh, well, I guess technically 301 weeks, because I, as, I, as I've admitted before, there was, there was one week I took off in the first year, actually like the first four months of the show, over, it was over the holidays that first year, 2015, and then I just thought, you know what? No, never again. I'm not going to skip any time ever again. So anyway, uh, as a very loud motorcycle rumbles by outside, let's get rolling here. Uh, rolling in New York, by the way, before I do get started, the Cybertruck. Cruising through Manhattan, Elon Musk, uh, presumably they're shooting some stuff for Saturday Night Live, which as I record tonight here on Friday, May 7th, Saturday Night Live, of course, will air tomorrow, so I'll have a couple of clips, as I mentioned last week. I'll get a couple clips of that, but uh, presumably, if you were interested, you watched already, but thanks to the internet age, you can just watch all the sketches on YouTube as well. So, Tesla news for this week, there is, as usual, plenty of it. If you happen to have any of the 118th scale die-cast Tesla vehicles from the online Tesla shop, you know the quality of those is pretty good. They're they're pretty hefty, they're painted nicely as far as the quality of the paint, and they have pretty specific little details. I'm lucky enough, I have the Roadster, the, the die-cast scale Roadster, and that thing even has little seat belts in it, which is pretty cool. Now, there's also, in addition to the Roadster, there's a die-cast Model 3, Model S, Model X, and Tesla Semi. They're not cheap. They're $175 each, but they are pretty cool. I really like my Roadster one. So what about the missing 
tiny Teslas from this lineup? Well, my friend Trevor Page from Tesla Owners Online put that very question to Tesla product design director Javier Verdura about the one that that's missing that would no doubt be the most popular. And Trevor asked, any idea on when we can expect an official Tesla Cybertruck diecast model in the Tesla shop? To which Javier did reply, working on it. So first of all, yes, that is good news. The little 164th scale remote controlled Hot Wheels Cybertruck is nice. A lot of you probably have it by now. I'm lucky enough I've got one here. But obviously, it's not nearly as nice as the $175 118th scale uh, diecast models that Tesla themselves is doing. And, you know, that makes a ton of sense. It's priced accordingly. It's 20 bucks. Now, there's also the bigger 110th scale Hot Wheels remote controlled Cybertruck for $400, which sold out instantly. And some of the pre order holders have already started receiving those. That one's a different story. I have not had the opportunity to see that one in person yet. But the 118th scale, which it will be made, obviously, to the same level of quality as the other ones that Tesla has, is almost certainly going to be really nice. I think there's maybe a 50-50 chance, at best, that they do this, but I really hope that that die-cast's body is made from actual stainless steel. Because, trust me when I say that if it is, it will plus up the look of it by a lot compared to just plain die-cast metal that's painted silver. Believe me, I have enough DeLorean toys <laughs> that are just painted, you know, that, that aren't actual stainless steel. You can tell there's a significant difference between the toy and the real thing. Now, I'm probably, it's probably wishful thinking on my part here. I would imagine it's too costly and complicated to have it actually be, th- you know, 301 grade stainless steel, so, you know, the, the unique alloy that's going on the real Cybertruck. But then again, it's Tesla. So you never quite know. I would not put it past Javier or Franz or the Tesla design team to actually make it out of stainless steel for the body. Uh, but whether it's stainless or not, it's almost certainly going to sell like hotcakes for sure, even at $175. Look no further than the aforementioned $400 remote-controlled Hot Wheels Cybertruck. So, uh, if <laughs> I mean, look at the Tesla Tequila. That sold out instantly twice at $250 a pop. And, you know, with, with so many hundreds of thousands of pre-orders for the Cybertruck, I would imagine plenty of those people, plenty of you out there, would no doubt love to have a nice quality 118 scale Cybertruck on their desks for the next, you know, year, maybe two years while you wait for the real thing. So uh, if the Tesla tequila is any indication, you know, the fact that that sold out instantly on two different occasions, you might want to start checking in at shop.tesla.com maybe once a day. Just work it into your daily internet routine so that if and when it does appear on the store, you've got a better chance of getting one if indeed you want one. Now, uh, also from my friend Trevor at Tesla Owners Online this week. Here's the next item up for bids on the Tesla Price is Right. Some good news if you're looking to get in on the recent boombox feature that's rolled out to all the Teslas, the the more recent Teslas that have the pedestrian warning system speaker built in. 
retrofits for that speaker are now available for certain Model 3s made after July 5th of 2019 up through September 9th of 2020. Now, Trevor says, and and I want to say, by the way, thank you to Darren from DC, who also sent this to me, along with Trevor himself. Trevor texted me. But Trevor writes on his forum, quote, This period represents the timing of when the wiring harness was included, but not the speaker. All Model 3s built since early September 2020 have the speaker already installed. Model Ys built before August 14th, uh, excuse me, 2020 also qualify. I'm told the cost is $200, that's US dollars, Trevor's Canadian, and must be done via a service center visit or mobile service, not by the user as the car configuration must be updated by a tech in order for the car to recognize it. Refer to Tesla uh, SI-21-90-001, which I imagine is a service bulletin, when you make an appointment to have it installed for reference. He says this allows for use of the new boombox feature in version 10 as well. So thank you, Trevor. Now, obviously, that's not everybody. If you're like me and you've got a 2018 Model 3 or some of you out there that are uh, either Tesla employees or uh, may perhaps previous Model S and Model X owners that were able to get a 2017 model, we do not uh, are not eligible for this because our cars have absolutely nothing in them to accommodate this. But if you fall in that 14-month build window, you've now got the option, at least, which is nice. And that 14-month window, that affects a pretty good number of cars. My rough math on that, and it really is just napkin math here, thinking 5,000 Model 3s per week roughly times 14 months, so 58 weeks, means uh, probably, you know, it's still a decent chunk of the present-day total Model 3 fleet. That's maybe around 300,000 Model 3s that are now eligible for the pedestrian warning speaker should you elect to spend the money to put it in. Now, personally, I don't care enough about the boombox feature to pay $200 for the privilege, even if my car was eligible, but that doesn't matter. In fact, I actually like my car being dead silent. Um... I just, it's its the ninja car. I love it. But again, uh, me not doing it doesn't matter. What matters is a whole bunch of you out there at least now have the choice, which is great. Now, sure, it didn't come with your car like it does on the newer cars. And it, so it will cost you a little bit more money to have it put in. But if you so choose, you can get it installed. So there's the information you need should you decide you want to get in on that and then start having fun with the boombox. Next up this week, there is yet another update on Tesla's on-again, off-again, 62-stall supercharger project down in Santa Monica, California. This story comes from the Santa Monica Daily Press, which I saw on the Tesla Motors Reddit, so tip of the cap to the Tesla Reddit. And the Santa Monica Daily Press writes, Tesla's 62-stall supercharger project in Santa Monica appeared to have stalled out after a previously approved emergency interim zoning ordinance banned all non-residential developments in Santa Monica, but construction on the facility is expected to be back in motion soon. With a unanimous vote recently, the city council amended and extended an emergency interim zoning ordinance, which, among other things, 
allows Tesla's proposed 24-hour self-service electric vehicle recharging facility, boy, that's a lot of words just to say supercharger, isn't it? <laughs> to once again move forward with construction. Quote, we appreciate the council's thoughtful approach to addressing such important issues as housing and housing affordability in Santa Monica, said Tesla representative Noelani Derrickson, noting that Tesla has been a member of the Santa Monica community since 2012 when the company opened a store in the area, and it very much desires to remain an integral part of the West Side. Quote, in total, we have 29 Tesla employees who work in Santa Monica today and plan to double that in short order when our new service center opens in July. So there you go, Santa Monica, you've got a new service center coming. Additionally, Noelani says, we've been collaborating for over a year now with the city on a Tesla electric vehicle charging station in Santa Monica's mid-city neighborhood, end quote. Well, I am very happy to see Tesla and the city of Santa Monica cooperating on this rather than butting heads over it. Maybe I'm just worn down uh, by all politics. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic, but it seems like the butting heads is all you ever hear about these days, fighting rather than actually cooperating and working together. So I like to see that. It still remains to be seen whether or not this is gonna end up being the 50s-themed diner that Elon Musk has long wanted to build. I hope it is, because quite frankly, Santa Monica is probably the perfect place for a special theme like that. I mean, you've got great weather year-round, you're near the beach, you've got the Southern California car culture. It'd be really fun. It would be the perfect spot to do that 50s-themed diner as a, as a supercharger location. Now, regardless of whatever this looks like when it does get done, its status as the future largest supercharging station in North America didn't last long. It, it, was, it was very brief that on paper it was going to be the biggest one in North America because, of course, as I told you about, what, two shows back now, we've got the 98-stall Harris Ranch station upgrade that is in progress now. In fact, on my way back from the Phoenix area to San Francisco, just looking on the map, you know, trying to figure out, okay, which chargers am I going to stop at? Harris Ranch was showing as closed. So I presume the entire thing is just being upgraded and it's under construction at the moment. But anyway, uh, 62, if it is 62, 62 V3 stalls would still be absolutely wonderful to have in Santa Monica. So I will keep you all updated on this one because I remain curious about exactly what shape this thing is going to take. Next this week, a family physician in Buffalo, New York, home of Gigafactory 2, which of course we never even hear it referred to as Gigafactory 2, but it technically is. Of course, Tesla dropped the whole numbered Gigafactory nomenclature a while ago, but I guess under the current nomenclature, it would be Giga Buffalo or Giga New York. But uh, a family physician in Buffalo is attempting to incentivize the community to get the COVID-19 vaccine by giving away a Model 3 in a raffle. Check this out. This story comes via Tesla Roddy, who writes, Dr. Raul Vasquez of Urban Family Practice in Buffalo, New York, had an idea to bring awareness to and hopefully encourage more people to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Everyone who gets vaccinated will be entered into a raffle and the winner will get a new Tesla. Quote, 
It's behavioral economics, said Dr. Vasquez, who opened urban family practice in 1996. He uh, gave that quote to the Buffalo Business First publication. He says, quote, it's one car, but it will get everyone motivated and it's not a big investment, end quote. Raffle tickets, if you're curious how this works, raffle tickets will be given when participants get their second vaccine shot meaning that the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines are what's available for patients there. So far, Dr. Vazquez has administered over 7,000 vaccines personally. He said the main reason behind the Tesla vaccination incentive is to get young people vaccinated while adding an additional incentive with a high-tech and relevant piece of pop culture that many people in younger generations find interest in. Quote, Tesla is very popular with the younger crowd, Dr. Vazquez said. This Tesla giveaway, it's something drastic, but the virus is affecting these age groups the most, and it's important to get the vaccines out in any way I can, end quote. Well, I have to say, I love this story. I do. I mean, what a great way to help incentivize people of all ages. I mean, I know he said he's specifically trying to get the attention of younger folks, but this should get a lot of people interested who were maybe on the fence. I mean, hey, if I have any listeners in Buffalo who have not yet gotten vaccinated for whatever reason, well, maybe if you're thinking about it now, I mean, you might want to look up the urban family practice and end up having a chance to win a Model 3. I mean, since the vaccine's free, it won't cost you. It literally will cost you nothing. It's a free raffle ticket for a Model 3 while also getting protected from COVID-19. Boy, I'll tell you this. I would love to interview the winner of this car. If anyone in my audience happens to have the good fortune of winning this car, please email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, because I would genuinely love to set up an interview. This would be really, really fun. But in the meantime, I say kudos to Dr. Vazquez. And a couple more stories this week, not quite done yet. In honor of the 51st Earth Day, the city of Sudbury in Ontario, Canada, has announced the purchase of four Tesla Model 3s to be used by community paramedics. I want to say thank you to listener Andrew Hodson for sending in this story from electricautonomy.ca in uh, my sending it my way. It reads in part, It's the latest step in the city's effort to meet a municipal target of a zero-emission city fleet by 2035. A media release reads, quote, this purchase makes Greater Sudbury one of the first municipalities in Canada to add electric vehicles to its paramedic services fleet in an effort to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, end quote. While Sudburyans won't see the cars with flashing cherries strapped to the roof, responding to house calls, excuse me, responding to 911 calls, they will see them out and about as paramedics uh, attend to non-emergency house calls for the city's residents, which appears to be an entirely unique application. Quote, I did a lot of Google searching, and as far as I know, this is at least the first in Canada for an electric EMS vehicle, says Devin Arthur, the chapter president of the EV Society in Sudbury, in an interview with Electric Autonomy Canada. He continues saying, quote, I got nothing but excitement from the city. The overall benefits of an electric vehicle is something that they are very excited about. Sudbury is a world-renowned city for its re-greening effort, and I think we've been trying to envision how Sudbury can build on that. I'm really excited, obviously, end quote. Well, you know, we've mostly been hearing about Model 3, or in some cases Model Y, police cruisers for municipalities thus far. 
But this application makes a ton of sense as well when I read the story and think about it because for intra-city use, which is all you're gonna be doing with this vehicle and its purpose, you're not giving off any emissions in the city. You got uh, electric cars being used like this are gonna be very efficient in town. You know, your, your efficiency, your range really only gets sucked down when you're like me coming home from Phoenix when you're doing 80 miles an hour in the 70 mile an hour zone on the interstate. That's, and you're on 20 inch wheels like, <laughs> like me. Don't do that. That's uh, the, 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 the EMS vehicles are not gonna be riding 20s. But um, anyway, furthermore here, something like a Model 3 in this case has a large enough battery pack to provide plenty of range for the whole day within this intra-city use case. And two, for, for non-emergency use, that also means that these cars won't need any expensive retrofitting to add things like paramedic equipment necessarily in them or you know any, any sort of lights or any of that. Because we've talked about when I have done those police cruiser stories, how the municipalities have to spend money to add, you know, add the uh, what, like a roll cage for the, or you know, a, a cage for the back to separate the the police sitting in front with the with the you know people they would put in the back. Uh, you'd have to get the lights, all the computer stuff, all the wiring, all that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You won't really have that here. So all that, just combine all that. With the low, as you all know, as Tesla owners, the low total cost of ownership, your cheap fuel, your minimal maintenance, and suddenly the economics of using it this way, using a Model 3 this way, look really good, no doubt, uh, plus in it, and that's all on top of the environmental argument that EVs make for themselves as well, which was cited by Sudbury also. So to Sudbury, I say, Bravo to you guys. That is awesome to hear about. Finally this week, self-driving cars, enabling drivers to take their eyes off the road and their hands off the wheel, could be permitted on UK motorways by later this year. Another listener hat tip. Thank you to Robert Borley for sending this one in. Here's an excerpt from the story in the Evening Standard. It reads, quote, the Department for Transport announced it will allow hands-free driving in vehicles with lane-keeping technology on motorways with slow traffic at speeds up to 37 miles per hour. It has set out how a vehicle with an automated lane-keeping system could legally be used by a driver not paying attention as long as there is no evidence to, quote, challenge the ability of it to be used autonomously. Transport Minister Rachel McLean said, quote, This is a major step for the safe use of self-driving vehicles in the UK, making future journeys greener, easier, and more reliable while also helping the nation to build back better. But we must ensure that this exciting new tech is deployed safely, which is why we are consulting on what the rules to enable this should look like. In doing so, we can improve transport for all, securing UK, the UK's place as a global science superpower, end quote. Well, this kind of regulatory forward thinking, uh, this is what we need as the city streets full self-driving gets closer and closer to becoming a reality for Tesla and thus Tesla drivers. So again, good to see the UK almost literally paving the way for this. It's as, yeah, it's as, 
that's uh, as as much of an application of that turn of phrase as we can possibly uh, use here. That's as close to reality as we can get. Now, you may be wondering, well, wait a minute, up to 37 miles per hour, that's kind of a strange number. Well, of course, in uh, in the UK, they use, as in most places that aren't the United States, they use kilometers per hour, uh, which the translation there, as you would expect, that is a round number 60 kilometers per hour. So that still means that you're talking about city streets, not the highway. So it's going to dovetail perfectly with what Tesla is readying up with FSD beta nine and the subsequent wide release. We'll see of that as we speak. That is what they are readying right now. So I hope the United States will follow suit with their own regulatory approval as needed in just as forward thinking of a manner as what the UK is doing. All right, that is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news this week. But stick around. I did not do the Ride the Lightning hotline last week because we had the very busy uh, earnings call on episode 300. But I've got a ton of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls queued up, ready to go. I will talk to all of you right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Thank you, Master Chief. And as promised, it's now time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your time to participate and shine here on Ride the Lightning. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call in one of two easy ways. Whichever way you choose, please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many callers each week as possible. And the ways to call in, one of two, either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record that 90-second or less question, and email the file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It could not be easier. Call anytime, day or night, toll-free, 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you'd like to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Also, May's episode, the May's Patreon-exclusive bonus mini-episode is now available. Here are the callers from that, so if you hear your name and you are not backing me at the ludicrous tier or higher on my Patreon, just drop me an email. I just gave you the email address, and I'm happy to provide you a one-time download token for this episode. Because you were kind enough to call in, I want you to be able to hear the response that I gave you. So the callers for this month... Brad from Woodbury, Minnesota, Jared from Seattle, Kaz from San Diego, Rob, who didn't otherwise identify himself, Andre from Norway, Dave from, from Yorktown, pardon me. Uh, I could not quite hear this clearly, but I, I believe the name was Bern from Germany, Brendan in Walla Walla, uh, Washington, Jeff from Rhode Island, Luke from Colorado, Richard from Perth, Cole from Mississippi, Mark from Colorado, Robert from Texas, Pat from Illinois, Matorshan in Toronto, Rich from Seattle, and Brian from Pennsylvania. All right, let's get rolling. I've got plenty of your calls here. Let's start with Joe from England. Joe, you're up. Hey, Ryan. Joe here from England in the UK. I recently picked up my Tesla Model 3 long range, and it's my first ever Tesla, and it's 
it's just so good. Like, oh my god, it's insane. Yeah, it makes me laugh because I, I, I almost feel like the car is so good, I don't deserve it. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but it's just crazy. And I can see why Ryan has made a whole podcast on Tesla. Like, I get it. <laughs> um, my question is around FSD, full self-driving. Um, I know that we're going through the beta period right now and everyone's talking about the button. But when FSD comes out, you know, and it's released as a fully furnished, this is full self-driving product, right? Do you think that, and I'm also aware that FSD kind of goes up and up in price over time. But when it comes out, like the week it comes out, or the month it comes out, whatever, do you think that Tesla could do like some sort of promo, like as a last push to get everyone onto FSD or as many people as possible, that they might drop the price for a week or, or a month on, on its you know, official release? Is that, does that sound like something Tesla would do? I'd be really keen to get your opinion because I've got to save up for it, that's for sure. But at the same time, I want to know when's, when's the right time to jump in. Um, again, if anyone's thinking about getting a Tesla or is awaiting a Tesla delivery, you, know, you will not be disappointed. They are just crazy good. And by the way, go back and listen to Ryan's Buyer's Guide, Ride the Lightning podcast special, because it's jam-packed with information and I found it absolutely invaluable. So a huge thank you for that, Ryan. I really, really appreciate it. Joe, thank you very much for your call. I can hear the giddiness in your voice, which I love. Also, I feel the same way that you do, that I don't deserve this, that there must be some kind of catch. But no, here they are, these just paradigm-shifting cars that are so much fun that we love. They're great, they're here, and they're getting more affordable all the time, which is great. Oh, and thank you, by the way, for plugging my buyer's guide episode that I made back in fall of 2018. Now, admittedly, it's a bit out of date now in some aspects. For instance, there was no Model Y when I recorded that, but I'm very glad to hear that it was still useful to you here in 2021. If anybody is curious about that, uh, it might just be easiest to Google, you know, Ride the Lightning Tesla Beginner's Guide. That's probably going to be the quickest way to find it, but... Uh, Finally, to answer your question and the reason you called, the good news is that, yes, there is a pretty reasonable probability that Tesla will do a 14-day full self-driving free trial period at some point after the software fully rolls out to all the paying customers. And I say that because Tesla has done it before on multiple occasions, so it stands to reason that they will do it again, particularly when they've got something so good that they want everyone to try it and they want everyone to be blown away by it and then they want everyone to either buy it or subscribe to it. I can't say, of course, that this is 100% going to happen. I can't guarantee you that there's going to be a, a, a free trial period, but it is, as Elon would say, uh, much more likely than not, for sure. So thank you, Joe, for your call. And let's come back stateside on the East Coast. Let's go to Jeff in Rhode Island. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Ryan. Jeff from Rhode Island here. And while I'm really enjoying driving around my new Model 3, I'm still getting very excited for the Cybertruck. I want to know what your thoughts were on the wheel and tire combinations might be coming out, uh, especially when we see what the update's going to look like. The current wheel and tire uh, obviously, the cover integrates with that design and the tire. If that's something that's going to stay, it's going to go, is it going to be 
complicated if you try to take that wheel cover off like you can do with the the other covers on some of the, the, the basically the hubcaps on the Teslas, taking them off and showing the wheels underneath. Uh, lining up the tire might be difficult to keep that pattern depending on what the wheel looks like underneath. Uh, just wondering what your thoughts would be. Hope all is well. Thanks. Hey, Jeff. Well, it's tough to say, but let's look at Tesla's history here. The Model S prototype had wheels that were actually pretty darn close to the turbines that it went into production with. Meanwhile, the X had very different wheels once it reached production. The Model 3 had the same wheels as the uh, prototypes, but smaller once it actually shipped. And then the Y prototype had Model 3 20-inch sport wheels on it, which did not end up being what went into the production cars. You are right that the Cybertruck tire, uh, tire setup does look somewhat custom. I would not be surprised if there is only one tire and wheel combo on the Cybertruck, which would be a different situation from any every other Tesla vehicle thus far. Now, I mean, granted, the, the Roadster won't either for, for very different reasons. So it's, uh, <laughs> the Cybertruck might not be alone for long there if indeed that ends up being the case. I mean, the, the rest of the vehicles have always offered customers some kind of choice in the, you know, the wheel size department, wheel style department. But honestly, I think it's a coin flip as to whether or not the Cybertruck's going to go into production with the same wheels and tires that we saw in the prototype. If it doesn't, then I will be quite eager to see what Franz and the design team cook up for that truck. Thanks, Jeff. Matthew from Monterey talking Cybertruck as well. He's up next. Welcome, Matthew. Hey, Ryan. Matthew here in Monterey, big fan of you and Daisy. Anyway, I have a Cybertruck order and uh, um, a few Tesla stock that will hopefully pay for it when the time comes. Uh, and so I had a couple questions. Uh, first, uh, it's probably a silly one that you've answered many times, but as someone who's owned a stainless steel vehicle, uh, can I truly expect it to be 100% rust-proof uh, over the life of the entire vehicle, or is there anything I should expect uh, for the long haul? Uh, and then uh, the second question is uh, based on previous uh, based on previous releases of new vehicles. Uh, when do you think we will be allowed to customize our own Cybertruck order, uh, other than just the motor and full self driving package? Uh, as well as, do you think we're actually going to be able to see uh, camping and ATV stuff available, or will that be a long way off kind of like uh, other things they, they want to do but just put on the back burner because it's not a priority? Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day. Matthew, I appreciate the call. I am happy to speak to these. First, you absolutely do not have to ever worry about the body rusting. I know that DeLoreans aren't easy to find, but if you ever see one, take a look at it. You will not find a speck of rust on the entire body. Other parts of the car, maybe, depending on how it's been kept. Like, for instance, the muffler will almost certainly have surface rust on it. But the only catch, by the way, to that is you do need to care for that body properly. Now, as I've said before, it's very simple maintenance. It's basically, there's one rule. Don't rub other metals onto the stainless. That's the one rule. And what I mean by that is don't use steel wool to take out any scratches from the Cybertruck's finish. I've talked about this before, and I will no doubt talk about it again. But 
What you need to do is use heavy-duty Scotch-Brite pads. They're dark green in color, and they're about, oh, I don't know, like 8 to 12 inches across and uh, 5, 6 inches tall, and they're they're very thin. They're like half an inch thick or so, something like that. But uh, what those are going to do, or rather what those aren't going to do is embed little metal bits into the body. Steel wool is, that's what it does. Steel wool has little bits of metal in it that will embed in the truck's body uh, as you, you know, rub it in there. And those little bits of metal will rust over time. Now to your second question, with the insane backlog of Cybertruck orders, I personally don't think the ATV, aka the Cyberquad, or the camper package are gonna be available for a while. I also don't think many options at all will be available for a while. There will almost certainly be a big opportunity for entrepreneurial folks out there to fill the gap that Tesla is likely to leave in the accessory market. So thanks, Matthew, for your call. Let me go next to Chris, responding to the caller Ronald from Edmond about towing with autopilot. Go ahead, Chris. Ryan, love the show. Just want to respond to Ronald from Edmonton about his questions about towing in the Model Y. We took an epic road trip towing our 4,300-pound travel trailer in our um, 90D Model X uh, last year from Chicago to uh, the Grand Canyon. Uh, in total, we had 48 charging stops a couple of which ended up being overnight stays at RV parks because there wasn't uh, a supercharger available within the distance or the area that we were traveling. Um, and, and that was mostly due to our limited range while towing. So our rated range while fully charged is about 250 miles. It's a 2017 Model X. Uh, so there's some degradation there. But our actual range while towing is about 100 to 110 miles. Um, now, of course, that's affected if you're going uphill, against wind, uh, if it's cold out, every little thing matters. I'm sure all these uh, electric drivers know that. Um, um, and so, we, yeah, with towing the trailer, we averaged about 750 watt-hours per mile, which is, you know, a little bit more than double of, of average of not towing. And also, with the charging stops, yes, expect to drop the trailer every time. The chargers are really laid out for vehicles. They're not really laid out for uh, vehicles in tow. Now that being said, out of the 48 stops, we got lucky at, I'd say, five of them where the spacing allowed for it or there's a pull-through spot where we weren't blocking anything with the trailer or, you know, it was late at night and we didn't, uh, we weren't concerned about blocking a couple extra stalls because there were so many other open stalls. Um, but there was a place in Colorado where the charging area at this hotel was located in a lower parking lot uh, and another spot where in uh, Bloomington actually where it's in a parking garage so we, th those were you know you have to kind of know those uh, if you're pulling a trailer know the height of it and all that but pulling a trailer in a parking garage that's not going to work so there's a lot of planning that that you have to do with uh, in terms of charging stops and intervals uh, and dropping the trailer unfortunately uh, also with autopilot, autopilot's amazing, but it does not work at all for towing. It used to work 
uh, a long time ago before some updates, if it didn't detect an electrical load out of the seven-way plug, you could tow a trailer and put it in autopilot. Um, they've fixed that with a couple software updates. Now it detects that and or uh, extra strain on the motors. Uh, so if you're pulling something really heavy, it'll automatically put it in tow mode, and which then disables autopilot. I'm hoping they address that with the Cybertruck because that needs to happen. Love the show, Ryan. Hopefully it answers questions for Ronald. Chris, this is one of those calls that I have nothing to add to. I just very much appreciate you sharing your experiences on this because, again, I've told you I don't have any experience with towing anything. Uh, I imagine that your response will be useful, not just to Ronald, but probably to a lot of other listeners as well. So thank you. And also, thanks to the handful of other people who called in on this topic as well. I appreciate people calling in and with their, their sort of personal experiences with this. Uh, so thank you to everybody who dialed in there. Harry from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada is next. Welcome, Harry. Hey, Ryan. My name is Harry. I'm calling from Vancouver, Canada. I want to congratulate you on 300 episodes. I just listened to last week's podcast, or maybe it was the week before, and there's a gentleman who'd gone back and listened to uh, the previous 50 when he started in on episode 50. I'm currently on episode 299 and on episode 150. And uh, I joined around the time of the Cybertruck. Um, that's not why I'm calling, um, but I'm to say that I'm listening through them. Um, what I'm calling is I have a question about Teslas. I currently drive a Chevy Bolt, and I am often pulling up to level two charges, um, littered across Canada. And uh, when I get to them, there's no real way of knowing which, from what I can see, no real way of knowing the level of charge of the Tesla without like from the outside. Um, when there are split charge, like a seven kilowatt charger that's split into 3.6 and 3.6, um, I like to plug into the one that is uh, the most full and give the um, everybody the, the most amount of charge possible. Um, so I'm just wondering if there is an easy way for a non-Tesla owner, a future Cybertruck owner, to be able to see from the outside uh, the state of charge of a Tesla. Uh, thanks a lot for the podcast, and uh, congratulations on 300. Hey, Harry, thank you very much for the kind words. I do really genuinely appreciate that. To answer your question, you can tell, but I'd argue it's not that easy unless you've been told about it, which I'm going to do now. First, on the superchargers themselves, the ones with a thick cable, in other words, for context, a cable that's about as wide as the charge plug itself, those are paradoxically the slower chargers, the V2s, or in some cases, even V1s. V2s max out at 150 kilowatts, and they operate in paired circuits, meaning that if you plug into charger 1B, and someone else is already charging on 1A, the labels are down at the base of the charger, so take a look near the ground, you might not get as much juice as you could at an empty pair. V1s max out at 120 kilowatts, but those these days are fewer and farther between because many of them have been upgraded. 
Meanwhile, the newer V3 superchargers have a much thinner cable. They max out at 250 kilowatts and they are not paired. So if someone's parked right next to you, you'll still both get the full fire hose worth of electrons there. But perhaps the easiest and most convenient way to tell, though I would again argue that it's still not obvious, is that if you tap the charging station icon on the map on your dashboard touchscreen, it will tell you how many stalls are at the station, how many stalls are available, and whether they are 250 kilowatt max or 150 kilowatt max. They don't label them as V2, V3 in the car. That's sort of community labeling on that, but they use the the kilowatt rating. So look for the 250 label or the 150 label in the car. I actually ran into this on my way back to San Francisco, or excuse me, though that was on the the first trip, on my way to Arizona in Quartzsite, which has six old V2 chargers, and then next to that, 28 new V3s. In fact, I guess I'll just tell you the story right now. So uh, Quartzsite got upgraded. It was originally those aforementioned six V2s in the back of the Carl's Jr. parking lot, and there was a dirt parking lot next door, or excuse me, just a dirt lot next door. Well, last year, or maybe I guess it was 2019 at this point, uh, the that dirt lot was Tesla was able to pave that over and put in 28 new V3s. So that was my last stop on my way to Arizona. I get there. There's no one there. Zero. I just, I pull into one of the V3s, of course, because I know what I'm looking for and I'm charging. And then as I'm finishing up, getting ready to leave, uh, a, a woman pulls up to the V2 chargers in a Model 3. Uh, so, the, of course, every Model 3 can can supercharge up to 250 kilowatts. And so she's, you know, she's getting out. She's about to plug in. And I just, I kind of, kind of not yell over, but I, I just, you know, say, oh, pardon me, ma'am. I just, you know, just to let you know, you, you can actually, you'll charge faster if you come over here to these. I didn't want to get into the whole thing. I didn't want to just bog down her day. And I figured she, you know, who, who, if she really wants the, the full explanation, she can kind of look it up. But, but yeah, then she, sure enough, she got back in her car and came around and hopefully she learned a little something new. I actually was on my way out, so I didn't stop to talk to her after that. But, but there you go. So it's information again that the Tesla provides, but not in a clear and obvious way. So hopefully that long ex- explanation I just gave was, was somewhat useful. Thanks, Harry. Uh, next up, Robert from Texas. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Ryan, it's Robert from Texas again. Wow. I looked at ordering a Model X like a week ago or even a few days ago, and the delivery was May, June. And I kind of want to get the Model X in, I would say, July, August. So I went on today, and the new delivery dates are October, November. Unbelievable. Anyway, I I went ahead and ordered the new Model X um, to replace my kind of five-year-old Model X in October, November. And I just wondered if you had any insights. Is the demand that high or is it that hard for Tesla to build those cars or is it a mixture of the two? Uh, Thanks very much. Love your podcast. Bye. Robert, I genuinely feel for folks like yourself who've been waiting and waiting and waiting for either the new X or the new S. Gil from San Diego comes to mind as a regular caller who's stuck in that group as well. 
As you heard on the earnings call episode last week, it seems like a, a supplier issue more than anything else, a parts issue, along with all of the new stuff going in there that's still being ironed out. It is crazy to me though, when I, again, pull back, take that 10,000 foot view, it's wild to me that the Model X will have basically been out of production and off the market for all intents and purposes for almost a year since production was cut off last Christmas for the planned shutdown and the retooling of the production lines for this new refreshed version. I hope you find the new X to be worth the wait. I mean, you said your X is five years old, which means it's a 2016, which means it's a really early Model X that probably has Autopilot 1. So there will definitely be a lot of little differences between your new one and your old one. I hope you love it when that delivery day finally arrives. Thanks, Robert. Going down to Florida now to talk to Samir. Go ahead, Samir. Hey, Ryan, this is Samir calling from both Inlet Beach, Florida and Johns Creek, Georgia. Split time between the two. Been a listener for quite a while. First time caller. I have a six and a half year old Model S. Yeah, I had one a long time ago and uh, have continued to love owning it. Uh, Just for your listeners to know, during that period of time, I have only lost about 10 miles of range when I do a full charge. I think that's attributable to just keeping the battery uh, conditioned correctly, not charging it to 100%, not letting it drop too low. Anyway, my question actually has to do about 12-volt batteries. I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, but the 12-volt battery on my Model S dies pretty quickly. In fact, right now I'm staring at an alert saying it has to be replaced soon. I've set up a service call with Tesla, and in the chat feature in the app, they let me know that they only expect that battery to last anywhere from 12 to 24 months. That seems awfully like a short period of time to me. And since these batteries cost almost $250 installed, I thought that was quite expensive for something that lasts for a very short period of time. Just wanted to see if you have any experience with this or any of the other listeners have an experience. Uh, this is something I was surprised would happen. But uh, anyway, this is what the Tesla service team is telling me. Thanks for the ability to call in. And as always, keep up the good work. And glad uh, Daisy the Boxer is doing well. Take care. Bye. Hey, Samir, welcome to the podcast. Well, that does seem abnormally short, much shorter than the 12-volt battery in a comparable gas car. It's no doubt a big reason why Tesla is switching over to a 48-volt lithium battery with the new S and X. The only constructive thing I have to offer you here, it's going to sound like a plug, but here goes, because this is the only like good constructive suggestion I can give you that I'm aware of. The Teslarati Marketplace offers a 12-volt lithium battery as an aftermarket option, which I'm hoping that sound won't sound like quite as much of a plug since you're out of warranty anyway. So Tesla's not going to be replacing yours for free. So they're $419 on sale right now on the Teslarati marketplace, normally 500, normally 499. But Teslarati claims it has four times the lifespan. So if that's true, you would come out ahead on that. So if you're curious, you can check that out at shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. And thank you so much for your call. Let's go to Randall from Australia next. Go ahead, Randall. G'day, Ryan. Randall from Queensland in Australia calling. You mentioned last week the price drop in Australia, which is great news. 
However, your pricing conversions were a little bit out of whack, so I thought I'd help clarify the pricing for your listeners. I've been personally tracking and recording the Australian pricing since the launch of the Model 3 in late September 2019. Let's use the long range for our example to keep it short and sweet. The current US dollar price for the long range is $47,990. However, the Australian variant comes standard with the 19-inch sport wheels, so we need to add another $1,500 to get our apples-to-apples comparison, which brings us up to $49,490. The long range in Australia, as you mentioned, has been reduced by $4,000 to $77,900. However, this price includes a 10% goods and services tax, as is compulsory for all advertised pricing in Australia unlike you have in the USA. Yes, that means McDonald's fries that are advertised at 99 cents actually cost 99 cents, not a dollar four when you actually go to buy them. Once again, for an apples to apples comparison, we need to remove this from the price, which brings us to 70,818. Using a direct exchange conversion, this puts us out at about 70 cents. Given you can't just exchange currency, and the banks uh, and money transfer companies need to make their margin, we arrive at a real exchange rate of about 73 cents. The current 100-day moving average of the US dollar to the Australian dollar is running at about 77 cents. This is the highest it's been since the Model 3 became available in Australia. Given these numbers do not account for any shipping costs from China or Fremont, and the price is actually only out by about 4%, I would actually call this price parity and Elon delivering on his global promise of US dollars converted plus local costs and taxes, etc. Some other interesting notes for you. Until recently, all Australian Model 3s came with a high-powered wall charger at no cost, and the price we pay for premium connectivity and full self-drive is a bit of a screaming bargain at about 40% less than you pay in the United States. From From the tracking I've done, I firmly believe that the price reduction is not from the move to shipping or building cars in China, but rather delivering on the promise as the Australian dollar strengthens against the US dollar. If you or any of your listeners would like to dig into the detail, you can join the 6,000-strong Tesla Model 3 Australia Facebook group, of which I'm the admin for. Thanks for your time. I hope this helps clarify the pricing. Randall, that is an incredibly thorough and detailed explanation slash correction, and that does indeed help clarify the Australian pricing and give it the context that I was missing. So I want to say thank you for taking the time to call in on that. I do very much appreciate it. We've got two more calls here. Paul from Beaumont, California is next. Go ahead, Paul. Hey, Ryan and fellow podcast listeners. I was able to do an overnight test drive on a Model Y dual motor. Uh, April from Cathedral City helped us with the sale, potential sale of the vehicle. Uh, we supercharged it. The V3 location and banding was a great experience. We went in to get a bite to eat, came out with a full battery. Uh, my wife is totally sold on the vehicle. Uh, one of her concerns was it does not have the blind spot indicator. Uh, the yellow or red light that comes up on the mirror when somebody's hanging out in your blind spot. Uh, using the screen definitely does not work because the vehicle still jump back and forth. I, I know that Tesla is working on that. I don't know if anybody knows about something I was missing because there was a whole lot of information coming through uh, during that short time we had the vehicle. We will definitely be buying a vehicle in the future. I don't know if it's going to be a Cybertruck or a Model Y. But uh, anyways, that was my question, and I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks. Hey, Paul. Well, Beaumont, California. I visited your supercharger both on my way to visit my parents in Arizona and on my way back. I really like that stop because it's right next to an In-N-Out burger. Uh, To answer your question, 
Yes, the Teslas do have a blind spot indicator, but I agree with you that it's not as elegant as the little yellow or red light that's in the side view mirror like a lot of other cars have. In the car controls though, you can turn on a steering wheel vibration so that if it senses another car or object as you start to move over, make sure you have your turn signal on, the wheel will vibrate. So that's, uh, you know, instead of having to look over, which you're, you, don't, you don't really wanna look over on, at the screen when you're trying to do a, a lane change. You can also leave the backup camera on as you drive if you want to, as, as another way to kind of have an extra eye back there. Though again, I know that's not the most elegant solution either. I hope that helps and uh, feel free to call in or email in if you happen to have any other questions that you need answering as you wait for your Tesla. Because you're totally right. It is a lot of new information to take in when you're making the switch to one of these cars. Thanks, Paul. Last but certainly not least, Bjorn from Phoenix. Talking about cabin, cabin rather, overheat protection. <laughs> Go ahead, Bjorn. Hey Ryan, this is Bjorn from Phoenix, a long-time listener, first-time caller. I bought a new Model Y this year, and we are heading into summer, so I'm hoping you or the listeners can give me some advice on cabin overheat protection, as it seems to be uh, kind of debated online in the forums. Um, anyway, I drive a lot, and so range is important to me. Do you think cabin overheat protection is really necessary, or could I get away with just cracking the windows and putting up a sunshade? Um, second part to the question is when I get home at night and I'm parking in the garage, I've noticed that sometimes the cabin overheat protection will continue to run. Now I have some ventilation in my garage, but I wonder if this is just adding a lot more heat to an enclosed space and is making the car work a lot harder to keep both the cabin and battery cool. And sometimes after a long day of driving, you know, my battery isn't that high anyway, cause I like to charge late at night in off peak hours. So if I could avoid, uh, running the cabin overheat protection in the garage too, I think that that would be, um, you know, a good option. So uh, anyway, Tesla, this is the first new car I've ever purchased and the first American car I've ever bought. Um, my dad's a big car guy. He was skeptical of Tesla, took him for his first ride a couple weeks ago. And all he repeated the rest of the week during his visit was that Elon is a genius. <laughs> anyway, thanks for all you do. Awesome podcast. Hope to catch you at a supercharger out here in Arizona sometime. Bye. Bjorn, welcome to the hotline. And hey, congratulations on your Model Y. Uh, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say because I live here in seasonless San Francisco, and as such, I've never had to use cabin overheat protection, but I do leave it on just in case. Uh, so I want to open this up to fellow Arizonans out there, uh, such as yourself or others who live in really warm climates to get their takes on it. But for my part, I look at it as protection for that vital center screen. As you know, it can hit 130 degrees inside of a parked car that's left outside in the Arizona summer. So I think it's good to help keep that MCU and center screen at a reasonable temperature. I mean, this isn't military grade stuff that Tesla is using in these cars. It's consumer grade stuff. But again, this is my in principle response. As I said, I don't have any real world experience on this one. But anyway, I hope that's at least some perspective of some kind for you to consider. And yes, by the way, the next time I'm in Arizona, which I plan to be over the holidays, I would love to do a Ride the Lightning meetup since I will have more time then and I won't be working, which I was. I, I went ahead and worked the last time I was just there. 
Uh, and also, you know, there'll be just more vaccinations. It should just be a better opportunity to do it. So I look forward to meeting you, Bjorn. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks to everybody who took the time to call in. I appreciate it. Please continue to keep those calls coming. I gave you the call-in methods at the top of the segment. I love hearing from you, and we'll do this again, of course, on next week's show. But for now, stay with me after this very short musical interlude, and I will be back with a little uh, a little story about my return drive that didn't quite go as well as the drive down to Arizona, and I'll give you your pro tip of the week and a little bit more right after this. Well, let me tell you about my drive home from Arizona. Now, on the way down there last week, I told you it really could not have gone better. No traffic, no nothing. It was I flew there. It was incredible. Uh, and on the way back, not quite as lucky. Thankfully, I mean, I made it home. There were no flat tires, no damage to the car, no uh, being pulled over by the police, none of that stuff. So in that sense, it went well, but it definitely took longer than I would have liked a couple things happened. So I made it I made it basically to California with no problem. But then, so I went to, I did Ehrenberg as my first stop, which is right at the California-Arizona border. Supercharged there, there's a V3. And then second stop, I went to Beaumont again, which I also hit on the way down. That's that, it's a newish one that I told you about. It's There's an in and out right next door and it's in a big shopping complex. Uh, plenty of V3 chargers there. So that seems like a good spot. Hit that. And then after that, uh, I was going, that was the leg to go, you know, through LA, which I take the, the 210 up and around to go up through Pasadena, sort of the northern bypass of downtown LA, and then connect with Interstate 5, up over the Grapevine Mountains, and then onto the long, boring stretch of I-5 to get back to San Francisco. Well, so I was supposed to, I was scheduled to go to Buttonwillow. That was where it wanted me to go. Didn't quite have enough charge to make it to a V3, which the next V3 charger up up the Interstate 5 would have been Kettleman City, which, of course, a lot of you are familiar with, even if you haven't been there, because I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. But anyway, uh, just trying to get through the grapevine, through the mountains north of L.A. I actually got through L.A. pretty easily. But then when I got onto Interstate 5, getting up through the mountains, there was some accident, there was something. It was bumper to bumper, dead stop traffic. Hi, Daisy. Uh, as for that, that cost me over an hour. That was a really tough, it ended up taking me four hours between superchargers when it should have taken two and a half, maybe, I think, if it, if all had gone well. So that was, that was a little frustrating. But then I get to Buttonwillow, it's packed. There was one spot available, so I happened to I got lucky. It was there was nobody waiting. I pull into that spot and I plug in and I get out of the car and I'm you know, I take Daisy out, let her go to the bathroom, and then I start to wipe the bugs off the front of the car because it's just I find it's easier to wipe them off right away rather than let them all cake on there and dry and then try to clean it at the end of the trip. So anyway, I start I'm starting all that stuff as I'm waiting for the car to charge and. I get a message, oh, car has stopped charging. Oh, great. All right, unplug, replug, starts charging. And by the way, it was charging really slow, like just like 15, 20 kilowatts. It was nothing. After a minute, boom, stopped charging again. So 
That charger clearly isn't working super well. Uh, by this point, one other person had left, so I move my car over and plug in there. And I'm getting, again, I'm getting like 30 kilowatts, which occasionally dips down to zero and then just starts back up to 30 again. So I'm just almost getting nothing. And that's when I remember, oh, right. I actually haven't been to a V2 supercharger in a while. Uh, I've pretty much managed to hit V3s on, on the recent trips. And yeah, v, you know, it's if someone is plugged in, like I was saying to the caller earlier in the show, if someone else is already plugged in next to you on a V2, they're going to get, you know, they're, they're probably getting most of the juice depending on where they are on their charge curve. But uh, I was just getting next to nothing. And, and, uh, and then finally that person did leave and it, and it picked up a, a good bit, but still not great to the point where I just decided, you know what, this is taking way too long. I just charged up enough to get to the next charger, which happened to be Kettleman City. And then I just, so I just went up there. Now, uh, when I got to Kettleman, that went great because there's, there's like 20 V3s and 20 V2s. I think it's about half and half. There weren't a lot of people there. So pulled right in, no problem, just charging super fast. You go inside to use the lounge, use the restroom, take care of Daisy, no problem. And uh, what pulls in to the row of V3 chargers, about six cars down from me, and I recognize it right away because of the wheels, but a refresh Model S. And sure enough, the car had manufacturer plates on it. It was a Tesla car. The gentleman uh, that got out of the car was wearing a Tesla engineering jacket. But before he even got, so I just kind of like, I, I kind of walked over. I didn't want to get too creepy and weird. <laughs> I hope I wasn't, but I just kind of looked over and I could see, I didn't get a good look at the interior other than seeing the 17 inch landscape touchscreen. So I knew, yep, this is a refresh. I couldn't, I couldn't actually see cause the driver was still in the car. I couldn't see if it was, uh, the yoke steering wheel or, or a round steering wheel, but it had the new wheels, the 21 inch, the new arachnid wheels. So the, I wanted to ask the driver, the Tesla engineer, Hey, is it okay if I look at this? But before he even got out of the car, cause he was on a phone call. So he, st- he stayed in the car for a few minutes before he even got out of the car, he he covered the whole dashboard with a blanket. So I guess the engineers have all been instructed, don't leave these things out, like cover them up. We don't want people taking pictures of them. And then he got out and he was still on the phone. So I never, I ended up leaving. I didn't end up getting a chance to speak with him, but it was still, it was cool to see a refresh Model S. I guess this is actually my second sighting. And this is the first time I actually got to see it standing still, just, just hanging out. Cause the other time was what, that was like three, four weeks ago in San Francisco, I was going one way and it was going the other. But anyway, uh, I wanted to mention one other thing that drove me insane uh, on the, on the ride back. And that is, and I imagine this probably doesn't apply to many, if any of you, I've come up with a term. So as most of you know, when you're on the interstate, the two lane interstate, the policy is the general, the, the way you're supposed to do it is drive on the right, pass on the left. You know, the semi trucks are all in the right lane. You drive on the right, you pass on the left. That keeps traffic flowing. When I got to California, nobody was adhering to this. I feel like on the way down to Phoenix in both California and Arizona, it was fine. But it's something about this return leg. When I got to California, the entire Interstate 5, it was just... 
It was just people just driving in the left lane, whether whether they were going 70, whether they're going 80, 85, whatever they're doing. Just nobody was staying over on the right side. And it just got super annoying because what kept happening was every I was doing the right thing, but every time I'd need to pass a semi-truck, I'd inevitably have somebody basically in my blind spot just pacing me, doing the same 80 miles an hour I'm doing, which forced me to either slow, like let them go by and then just stay on autopilot and make the lane change or disengage autopilot and slingshot ahead of them and then, you know, get back over and (laughs) leave me alone, Siri. Um, So it just, it was so, it was just car after car after car was just in the left lane. I ended up at one point just on autopilot passing a bunch of people in the left lane on the right not even on purpose. I was just over trying to do the right thing. And these people were just stacked up in the left lane. It just, it obstructs the nice flow of traffic. Please don't do it. I, and I've come up with a name for these people. LLL, L3s, left lane lurkers. Don't be a left lane lurker. It's annoying on the interstate. Anyway, uh, so yeah, one extra unanticipated fifth charging stop. Uh, well, I guess Kettleman was the fourth one, but then, and then my final stop, I did Patterson, which is close ish. I mean, that's, it's one of the last, I think it is the last, uh, supercharger on I-5 before you get to San Francisco or, you know, you, you, you cut over on 580 to go towards San Francisco and head West, but Patterson's awesome. It's just, it's in a, a massive just complex. There's a bunch of fast food restaurants that the, the actual superchargers are in a, uh, a hotel parking lot. There are, I think eight of them. I believe there are eight V3 stalls and that was just a great spot. Uh, I, I've, I've charged there before. So good stuff in Patterson. And then I was able to cruise home easily, but yeah, ended up making five stops instead of four just because button willow was such a, a pain in the neck. I wish that there was a way to easily, report like ideally through the app. I wish that through the app you could report you know poor supercharging service whether it was you know that in my case the that the charge kept stopping or that the the you know the charge rate was so poor there'd be it'd be nice if there were an easy way to do that and then they could they would know you're there cuz you you know you could GPS through your phone and know oh this person's at this supercharger and they're complaining about it so I know this is I know this, if I'm Tesla, I know this is a real report and not just somebody faking something. So anyway, that's my constructive feedback about that. That was my drive back from Arizona, but all told, it was a good round trip. I really was grateful and and, uh, happy to be able to see my parents. We're all vaccinated. It was great to spend the week with them and just work from down there and do episode 300 from down there last week. So uh, good stuff. And the spirit of adventure did well. It did very well on the road trip, for which I am grateful. All right, time for your pro tip of the week. It comes to us from Xavier in Boston. Hi, Ryan. This is Xavier from Boston. Uh, For the first time, I've been listening to your show for a while. And I noticed that uh, nobody talks much about um, browser commands through the uh, uh, voice-activated commands. And I thought I'd just touch on that quickly for uh, people that are new to, uh, you know, Tesla. Uh, so some basic commands like open Tesla.com, open CNN.com, open Amazon.com. 
I uh, find that extremely useful as I drive many times. Um, sometimes there's a glitch where the interface inserts a space in between words. So if something doesn't work, sometimes it goes to that. Uh, then we can try something a little bit more advanced. Uh, let's say you're talking to your kid about music and you're having to talk about Billie Eilish. You could say, browse, Google, Billie Eilish photos. And, you know, bring that up. Or you can say, browse, Google, dualipa.com, uh, something. Um, you know, it, it just uh, brings up some cool stuff. Um, or we just recently had a supermoon. You could say, browse, Google, supermoon, April 2021. <clears throat> so it, I find it really helpful. And then one last one, which is, I think, pretty cool. You can you can give it a shot. Try browse Google graph X squared plus Y squared. Let's say you're talking to your kid about math and, uh, you know, you want to uh, do something cool. You can say that again. Browse Google graph X squared plus Y squared. Try that. I think you'll like it. Anyhow, thank you. Good show. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for that one, Xavier, because I have to be honest with you. I didn't even know that you could do voice commands with the web browser. You taught me something today. That's a good one, and you laid out a really good use case for it, too. So thank you so much. If anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, I would love to hear it so that I can share it with everybody. Call in in the same way that you call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline. If it's something unique about the car, something you know not obvious that you've picked up along the way, feel free to call in and share it. All right, before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast. Starting with abstractocean.com, purveyors of fine Tesla goods of many kinds, such as the rear footwell lighting kit, the, the uh, drop-in cup holder stabilizer, tempered glass screen protectors, the uh, center console wraps for those of us with the older style center console in the Model 3. There's so much more than that. Just take a look sometime, see what they've got, abstractocean.com, and uh, be sure to use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your first order. That coupon code again, RTLPODCAST, all one word. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, wonderful detailing services here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. If you're going to be here, if your car is going to be here, be sure to book in with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. He's starting to book up into uh, the, the weeks ahead now. So you want to get on his calendar, especially because he's offering a discount to listeners of this podcast. Maybe you want to get some paint protection film on the front of the car, since it's all paint up there. Maybe you want to get ceramic coating done so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Maybe you want to do some paint correction, maybe two of those, maybe all of those. Whatever you want to do, Immaculate Reflections, I promise, will take excellent care of you and your car. Visit the website to get in touch with Jeff. That site is irdetailing.com. Meanwhile, the snap plate, which you can purchase at everyamp.com slash RTL, again, everyamp.com slash RTL, that is the front license plate bracket for people like me that hate having to put on a front license plate bracket. It goes on securely, but it can come off 
easily with the included tool as well. If you wanna take it off for car shows while you're washing the car, uh, but you wanna put it back on to avoid tickets while you're parked at a parking meter, or you're gonna be going through a toll road, bridge, whatever. So check that out, everyamp.com slash RTL. Also, we've got puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit or 69 for the 256 gigabyte kit. It comes fully formatted for the Tesla cam and it is ready to go straight out of the package right into your car. Check it out, puretesla.com slash RTL. It's gonna last a long, long time because it's micro SD based, not USB flash memory based as the uh, kit that Tesla now includes with the car is. So I highly recommend that. And then Jada, they've got their excellent line of products. I am a big fan of particularly the wireless charging pad. They now, as I mentioned last week, they have a version four of that, which has an even nicer fit and finish. I think it's got a couple of other new little bells and whistles on it as well. They also offer the Jada USB hub, the Jada SSD drive, 256 gigabyte drive that plugs into, very seamlessly, plugs into the USB hub, so you do need the USB hub to use their SSD drive. And then a separate product, they also have the brand new Jada Tray, a tech-focused center console organizer that uh, will wirelessly charge your, uh, your case for your Apple AirPods or Pixel Buds. So coupon code there is RTL for a nice discount. And if you wanna order any of that, please do so through my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, there's my Patreon. As uh, I hope is obvious, a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of energy and enthusiasm goes into this podcast every single week. And, you know, it's always free for you, but I am listener supported. If you are willing and able, maybe this week, maybe next week, maybe next month, whatever the case may be, I would love it if you would consider pledging to support me on Patreon. The website to go to is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can pledge. There are a number of tiers each with their own rewards that, by the way, stack. So if you join in at the ludicrous tier, which is 10 bucks a month, that will get you not only the bonus episode, bonus mini episode every month, like the one I just posted, but also the early access to each week's episode that comes in at the sport tier, the $5 tier. So they go up, they stack, check it all out. All the information you need is on that Patreon page, but I would be very humbled and grateful if at some point, again, maybe today, maybe sometime soon, you'd take a look at my Patreon page. That will about wrap it up. Other than saying hello to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers of Patreon. In fact, there are a couple new in each category there, or at least a couple of them. On the Roadster in Space side, hello and thank you so much to Scooter Ward for your very generous contribution, very generous pledge to Ride the Lightning. I sincerely appreciate that, Scooter. Along with Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, 
that is the crew for Roadster in Space. Meanwhile, the Maximum Plaid side, we have the newest Maximum Plaid backers, Tyler Smith and uh, Mait Suaru. Mait, if I've gotten that wrong, I've done my best. I did send you a note. Didn't hear back from you on Patreon. Wanted to get a pronunciation check there because I do want to make sure I'm being respectful and pronouncing your name correctly. But regardless, thank you as I wait for your reply. Thank you so much for your generous pledge at the Maximum Plaid tier. And then the rest, of, the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, and by the way, sorry, Kevin, for accidentally omitting you from uh, the list here. And I, I, of course, made the silly mistake of not adding you right away. And then that's what happens. It goes out of my brain. But I apologize, Kevin. Thank you for your support. The Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, and Will Stedman. And then on the plaid level side, we have George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, and finally, Jonathan Zelezny. Thank you all so very much for your kind and generous support on Patreon, keeping me going here. And with that, a snoozing Daisy the Boxer is uh, not even listening to me. She is out for the count, down for the count for tonight. I hope you're not, though, if you've made it this far. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I say it a million times, but your time, in my opinion, is the most valuable thing that we have, that all of us have, because we cannot buy more. We cannot pledge more on Patreon. Uh, so time is so valuable, and I thank you for giving it to me each and every week as I enjoy the heck out of doing this podcast every single week. So, happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.